0: I know it's been a long wait, but today is the day. You finally get to hear the final hour of my conversation with Jim. In all honesty, I was hoping for a miracle from him. This scene is so complex and confusing, I was wishing for one of those classic Jim Clementi light lightbulb moments. But unfortunately, with this case, even Jim is unsure of what happened on the night of the murders. And that's what makes profiling this case so particularly difficult. Profiling is the analysis of the behaviors demonstrated by the unknown offenders. Put more clearly, we have to know what happened before we can know who the offender is. In this case, you're gonna hear Jim and I agree on several elements of the crime scene activities, and that's helpful and will begin to shape our profile. But on the other hand, we see two different possible series of events during the commission of the crime. We both acknowledge that either scenario was possible, and we tend to lean in different directions. And that, of course, leads us to two different profiles, either of which could be accurate. At the end of this conversation, we take the elements that we both agree on and compare them to known persons of interest in the case. It was a long road to get here, but in the end, we finish with what I think are some relevant and useful insights. This is Season 12, Episode 11, Jim Clementi, Part 3. And I know you keep leaning towards Becky being the target. I I just keep having, and I'm I'm tracking with you. I'm having a hard time getting there because when I'm looking at so like the way they were killed, Vicky gun to the head, pressed against her head, pulls the trigger. Becky, if she was shot, is shot lower left abdomen abdomen or oh
1: i thought her chest
0: was what's what was gone well it was chest and abdomen is what's gone and it it's part of her chest a little bit of the left side of her chest so like you could have probably hit the left lung like the edge of the, the part of the left lung that burned away that's possible but it's either you know, something like, like so if, I, if i'm pissed off at becky i shoot becky one time center of body mass but then her mom who i have no beef with if becky's the target I hold a gun to her head and blow her brains out. It's, it's it seems, you know, it, it, I have a hard time connecting those. It's, it's the, the fire on the wheelbarrow keeps taking me to where you're at, that there's something different there, mm-hmm. but I can't, I can't place in my mind whether it's because she was the target or it's because she was the interruption that wasn't part of the plan. Right.
1: So I, as I wrote this down, I got to the point where I said two two offenders, not criminally sophisticated, not forensically, too sophisticated, planned, but not very well planned. And then there's two possibilities, target mom, target Becky. Mm -hmm. It's It's a bifurcated process at that point. And all I'm saying is what was actually accomplished with the mom? She was left where she died. There was no there was no indication that she was tied up or tortured or meant to made to suffer. Was she just put out of her misery? Boom, boom, practical kills, double shot to the father, stepfather or whatever, one shot to the head, to the mom. But Becky got this special treatment. She got this over the top, very bizarre. And is that because one, she surprised them and ruined their plans. Two, she surprised them and ran away and then caused them to have to run after her. And that's why she got this special treatment. I don't know. You know, it, I would have really liked a more detailed analysis of, of what happened to her. I mean, I have to say that there's the determination that she was dead before mm-hmm. she was burned is interesting and i want to know how they knew that like what is how was that determination made
0: it was uh essentially because there was no indication of her inhaling any superheated gases smoke anything like that nothing in the airway to indicate that that she was breathing when she was lit on fire and that's when i go back to the what was done to her was extreme but it was it was just part of the concealment, right? It was post mortem. Yeah,
1: but why are we concealing her? Why are we trying to conceal her to the extent that, you know, when there is a a big bad burning house fifty feet away or six seventy feet away, like why is it that they couldn't get those seventy feet with her body? One could be because you had a male and female pair who were doing this and the female didn't have the strength to carry her, and the uh, male was too busy lighting the fire inside. I don't know, or you know, or it just could be that you have a weaker or a lazier person. I don't know, but for some reason they didn't put her in the house with the rest of them. They burned her outside. They made the special effort to pour accelerant on her and light her on fire in a in a in what had to be a very public way, and. That's just so different for me, especially when you have the burning house
0: right next door, right, right there. And she's in a device with a wheel on it. Yeah. Like you could get her to the house easily. And we know that when she was lit on fire, the house wasn't burning to the extent that they couldn't get her inside. It was, you know, even when, when the neighbor got there, it wasn't burned to the extent that they couldn't get her inside.
1: Right. So they, you know, they may have had a couple of minutes to know that the neighbor was coming a couple of minutes to know that the fire department was coming. And so they had to make a decision at that last second, pour the gas on her,
0: light it there and not put her inside. Could it be too, that you have two different personalities, like maybe like, so say she'd walked in on it, interrupted it. One of the guys chases her down, shoots her, and now she's laying there dead. And guy one, the guy who maybe is more criminally sophisticated is going to light the fire in the house says to take care of her. And the other guy comes up with a plan to throw her in a wheelbarrow and light her on fire. There's just two different guys doing two different things at the same time. Yeah. She feels like to me, and it's, and, and, and I know, and I know that it's, it's, it's completely opposite from the way you feel. about it. But to me, like everything to me feels like she was a complete afterthought. Like she didn't matter. They shot her one time, center her body mass.
1: Why wouldn't they just, leave her on the ground and pour gasoline all over her and then take off i mean why put her in a wheelbarrow what
0: does that accomplish well i mean practically i the thing is i don't know that someone would know this
1: right that it was the place to burn somebody
0: right it's the best place to to burn somebody is in that which is what that coupled with the fire starting location was leaning me towards someone in like emergency services someone who has an idea of response times, has an idea of how to, you know, how the fire might behave but, you know, in, in certain ways. So we'll add to that list
1: um, somebody who is not only a potential police or military trained and experienced person, but we can also add somebody who is a firefighter. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you know, who starts fires? Firefighters often do. All right. And people who like to see big, big things happen with a little match and want to feel better about themselves and want to make a big splash, Mm -hmm. want want to cause all this problem. You know, had they not lit the house on fire, had they not burned her in this wheelbarrow, what would have happened? They might have found some. Forensic evidence of the persons
0: who did this, right? It probably wouldn't have gone unsolved for ten years. Probably would have been more, yeah. And so that's what what I keep coming back to with Becky is if there was a physical struggle by burning, whether there was whether that was the intention or not, by burning her, they burned away any chance of recovering any physical evidence off of her. Yeah. So was, you know, the question is whether they knew that or not because it was it was effective in doing it. At the same time, they would have had many hours
1: of more time to do whatever the fuck they wanted to do if they never lit the fire in the first place. So Right. You know, this the fire at the same time that it helped them maybe forensically hurt them criminally, hurt their escape, hurt their ability to finish what they were doing. So it was counterproductive to a great degree. And in the end, you know, you said there
0: was arrests made, but I don't know anything about that at this point. And yeah, well, I should point out, I forgot to mention at the beginning. One thing that Jim never wants to know coming into this is who the suspects are, or who was arrested for it. So he has no idea um, about any of that right now. No, I mean, all that does is, is put you down
1: a path of bias um, mm-hmm. and, and. You know, I'm trying to avoid that. But, you know, Bob, you know, I know when you explained this to me the first time, uh, you know, I was like, "What?" Uh, you know, it's very bizarre. And and I'd like to stay away from extreme explanations for things. You know, uh-huh. I like to stay as as clean and as you know, sort of simple as possible. And the fact that that wheelbarrow has a wheel is important to me and so i think that it was used to move her from point a to point b point a being the place where she was killed and point b being where she where they intended to put her but got interrupted and Mm -hmm. i just don't i just can't see a practical reason to put her right there at that spot and then burn her it just, it doesn't, there doesn't seem to be a, a rational reason for that. Now, in the heat of the moment, in the midst of committing a, a heinous crime, somebody may have lost their ability to think rationally, and this might have sounded, seemed like a good idea, or as I believe, somebody was, was basically
0: interrupted in the middle of doing mm-hmm. what they intended to do with her. Right. And, and see, I've the the things that I struggle with with the wheelbarrow are the area they call the area of disturbance, which is where the wheelbarrow tracks start. Mm-hmm. They kind of lead back to this area, and then the dirt scuffled up there. Her shoes not found there. So if the shoe came off in a struggle there, the offender took that with them. There's no blood anywhere back there. That's one area they did very detailed, take tons of photos and look all over the ground for any kind of evidence and found no indication of any, any blood. One area they didn't look, at least it's not in any of the reports and there's zero photos of it is in the path between the back door and the house. So for me, kind of part of process of elimination came from maybe they, she was shot while running down that path. They got trampled by firefighters and whatever, and they just never looked, Hmm. but then it comes back to get the interruption I'm just trying. I, I try to, you know, how I do is kind of what you've taught. I walk through those crime scenes and, and try to put myself in that position. And so you're rolling this wheelbarrow. You've gone all the way from 200 yards back in the desert till now. You're 20 yards from the house. It's downhill to the house, and you get interrupted. You think, "Oh shit!"
1: Well, if you see if if you see headlights coming around the
0: corner, you just stop right. cold, right? Right, so, but so you stop cold. And your, you're frazzled now. So you drop the body, like stop the wheelbarrow, run up to the house or wherever, get some accelerant, go back to the wheelbarrow, pour that on it, light it on fire.
1: Uh, well, uh, yeah. Or to me, it
0: would make more sense that they would, oh shit, either just dump her and leave her or continue what you were already doing and run up to the house and throw her in. Yeah. And but get if, out of
1: there. if you're, you know, you chase her back there and and kill her somewhere between the house and the back somewhere. And you realize I'm not going to carry that body all the way back here. So you go grab the wheelbarrow and bring the accelerant with you and dump her body in it and start to bring it back to the house. It, it, it's very convoluted, but you know, maybe they weren't thinking so straight
0: and they just said, you yeah, know, well, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I acknowledge that's a, that's a, a distinct possibility, maybe even a probability. I just like the fact you said it's so convoluted, the things that have to fit together for that to work makes me lean towards that. She just died by the wheelbarrow and they threw her in and lit her on fire it's as possible. opposed to. Possible. going back to, back to the back because the other thing that gets me is the lack yeah. of wheelbarrow tracks going to it
1: well yeah but and like i said the wheelbarrow may have been out to the back
0: you know it's already there yeah yeah. And yeah i think that either way the wheelbarrow had to have already been back there whether it was back there and they rolled up with some trees and it was just sitting there or if they killed her back there put her in but- it and- but back.
1: yeah, they're bringing him back. He sees the light. So he hears the siren. He drops her there. He runs into the garage, grabs a can, pours it on her, lights the match. Let's get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, that just to me is like, that's expedient. And it takes into account the fact that there
0: was an interruption. And that interruption, they acted quickly and got out of Dodge. So if we're working on, if we work that scenario out that they did, she was killed back there does that still fit with her being the target? And how does that play out? If, if she's the target and they kill her back, do you think they still killed John and Vicky first or they killed her out back, came to the house, killed John and Vicky, then went back?
1: No, nah, I think they got interrupted when
0: they were dealing with her, not with, I think John and Vicki were killed first. Doesn't, doesn't that lean towards them being the target? You think? Unless they were planning on sitting there and waiting until she came home. Okay. Yeah. So just kill them and sit and wait. And then she Mm -hmm. came, she ended up being home sooner. Yes. But either way, I think one area that we agree on is that this was a planned homicide.
1: Yeah. I don't think this was an accident or went out of, got out of control. They bought Mm -hmm. the weapons for a reason and. You know, they may not have been the best, most efficient way to do what they were doing, but
0: that goes to their lack of sophistication, criminal sophistication. Right. Um, So I want to tell you a little bit, if we're we're kind of, it's going to break down real quick where we kind of agree and disagree about profile, then I'll give you some, some, some some little suspect information. because I want to hear what you think about that. We both agree it was planned. But the, that the the intention here was homicide. Mm-hmm. We both agree that John wasn't the target. Yeah. Uh, that it was either Becky or Vicky were targeted right. here. We do. I agree with you that there's some indications of someone with possible m- military, police, fire, some sort of emergency service background. From there, with with those things that we can all agree on, those three. Who do you think if you were to tell the police, who would you go look, be looking for? Well, or type of person? I mean, you should be looking
1: for. Yeah, well, because they're not particularly criminally or forensically sophisticated because there, there's such a hodgepodge of things that they did. I believe it's two people, the two weapons, as well as the, the weird, different conflicting behavior. Mm hmm. Uh, The lack of evidenced motive of, you know, home invasion, robbery, uh, drug, revenge, kill or anything like that leads me to believe that there is a personal cause that motivated this and therefore the actual motive was murder. In other words, when you say we, we agree on the fact that it was planned, that the plan there are multiple things that could be planned you know bringing a gun to a house because you want to you heard they have money and you want to get their money uh, because they're you know they're a customer of yours and you haven't they haven't paid you you know uh, there's a lot of things that could happen but the ultimate goal is that these three people were murdered and there's no real indication of other crimes that were committed no rape No robbery, no burglary, at least not that could be determined based on, you know, the condition of the house. So I'd be looking for somebody who spent time with Becky's body because Becky was important for them to conceal that they either had a, uh, a known relationship with, or had a scheduled reason to be together you know they're again typically people who stage crime scenes you know and and this is sort of a quasi stage scene in other words you kill somebody you want to hide the fact that you killed somebody so you burn down the house and maybe it, people are going to think they just perished in the fire but then you leave somebody burning outside clearly in a in a way that. Right. That undoes what you did inside. And that's where, you know, that's where, again, it's another indication of two people involved. So one of them could have had the motive of, let's say, robbery. Uh, and the other one could have had some kind of personal motive. But there was a reason why they spent more time with her and spent more effort getting rid of her body than with Becky and John. And so if, if Becky was the target, yes. Okay. She was shot in the head execution style. Um, it could also be seen as a merciful way to put her out of her misery, you know, just shoot her in the head once and that's it. She's done. You know, it's instant. And that is not how it appears with, with Becky. Uh, she, You know, they spent the time with her to get rid of her body, to immolate her, to get rid of any indication that she was ever alive, you know, and Mm -hmm. I don't know that they completed that because, you know, I think they got interrupted, you know, it must have been a matter of minutes between the time she was lit on fire and the neighbor showed up, right? matter of minutes and that's what
0: increases the chance that literally they were interrupted doing that i had hypothesized that she was lit on fire first based on the location of the gas can well what you never told me about location well there's gas cans throughout the house but there's one particular gas can that was very clearly out of place there was the garage was pretty cluttered but there was a walkway through the garage to the door and one of the gas cans was in the walkway like a big five-gallon plastic gas can, if that's what was used, I thought maybe they take it, the gas can, then they'll lit her first, and then went. The timing throws that off a little bit, I think, because of yeah, you know, uh, how when she was when she was lit.
1: Yeah. Plus, I mean, leaving a gas can in the middle of the garage there when the house is on fire, they're going to make the assumption that it's going to eventually blow up and help destroy the house, right? Mm-hmm. We can't tell, obviously, whether that's the gas that was used in the wheelbarrow and on the stairwell. And the was the fire, the red circles by the
0: kitchen, I couldn't tell if they were in the garage or in the kitchen or both. It was right in the entryway from the garage to the kitchen, into the house. Okay.
1: So when you say there's gas cans all over the house, what do you mean by that?
0: There were... Three or four they found in the loft area in the in the garage. I think there was three or four total that were found in the garage. They just had, you know, John was kind of a handyman. They had gas cans all over the place, right? But it was all in the garage where you would keep gas cans. Yeah, there were no, the none found house. in the okay, none found yeah. in the actual house, right? All right, you know, they could have. They're plastic, so they could have melted. Uh, that's a possibility, but none were. There was no remnants found that they believed was gas in the house. Do you have an an idea of age or post-offense behavior or pre-offense behavior?
1: Well, pre-offense behavior would have been interaction with the victim and planning this. Negative Mm -hmm. interaction with the victim and then planning this. Post-offense, this is kind of a big deal. You know, a triple homicide, uh, somebody who I don't believe was criminally sophisticated and experienced, I think that that person... Would have evinced some; those persons would have evinced some, you know, pretty major psychological trauma and changes based on this. Unless the person was a stone cold psychopath, who, you know, they recover very quickly from extremes. That, you know, mm-hmm. those of us who are regular humans react in a very visible way when, when something this extreme happens or when you cause something this extreme um, and they would be, you know, very interested as any fire setter would, in the results of what happened and watching the news and making sure that they, they knew what was, what was going on. You know, the smart thing to do would be to sort of lay low and be going about your life normally. But what could happen because I think I see some immaturity here, what could happen is they might insert themselves to, to a degree into the investigation to find out, really, to, to find out what the cops know and to see whether or not they were on the radar. If the people that did it might also, you know, sort of want to stay apart for a while, whether that's to establish alibis or what, but you know, if they were if they were really smart, I'm thinking pre-offense, they might you know, since there's no since there's no use for a cell phone up on the hill, right? Uh-huh. They might separate their cell phones, right? Leave one of them at their office or back at their home or whatever, and you know, so that they can. Say that they were actually wherever the cell phone is, right? Right. In other words, there's no towers up on this hill, right? Right. So they don't have to worry about a pinging up there. But I would worry if they were both together. Whatever, what is it? Highway 74. Yeah, they were both together on Highway 74 near the entrance where the last tower is, and then they disappear, and then they come back after these crimes were consummated. Then. You know, that would be pretty damning evidence. But I'm just thinking uh, that was just a
0: side thought. Right. So what I thought was everything we, d- we talked about, I saw the, like you said, there, there was a lot of effort put into concealing the crime of John and Vicki, right? Burn the house down. Everything we talked about. And then, you know, as far as two people, they pl- intended to go there and kill and, you, as you pointed out, there was steps made to conceal the crime of John and Vicky. So it, it would have been successfully if it weren't for the fact that you know, Becky's body burning, which was, as you put it, undid what they did in the house. I read that kind of opposite as you did, as that was where their focus was was on John and Vicky. If there's a known. I agree. There's a this is a personal cause homicide. This is a no. There's a known relationship there that there was this effort put in to try to conceal the fact that a crime com- was committed at all with them which is why i lean towards becky being unexpected probably the interruption in an afterthought that they you know the, the only reason she was lit on fire was because of to cover up some forensics which to me when we add all those things up the uh, my profile was and really what I'm – I know it differs from yours. I'm, I'm really looking to see if you think it's, it's plausible or if I'm just way out of line with it, that it's probably – our offenders probably someone – one of them at least is law enforcement. I didn't think military so much only because of the, the – what appears to me to be knowledge of like emergency service response times, how fire moves, uh, things of that nature – that it's probably someone in, you know, a cop, a fireman, EMS, someone with a background in one of those that have been to a lot of scenes. Cause, you know, even if fires, cops go to fires also. Um, they respond to them as well. So they, and so do EMS. So they all get lumped in there to me. I'd mentioned someone that's, that maybe is an avid bird hunter or a sport shooter or something that they had these wrong rounds with them when they came out. And I leaned towards more someone on, more on the mature side. With some experience, a lot of that some of the law enforcement said, but it's based on our, our different high, differing hypotheses about why Becky was burned. If she was burned because they spent more time with her, that obviously I agree with you. If she was burned very quickly because of forensic evidence, it leans me towards someone who probably has some knowledge of, which again leans back towards the law enforcement type people. You know, they know that my, my hair or my skin's under her fingernails, my hairs could be on her body lighter on fire that way. It was even though the scene looks like chaos, their forensic countermeasures they took were extremely successful. They went 10 years with the case being unsolved and then when an arrest was made and even through trial it was really the, the case was circumstantial at best in a stretch to get it. So there never was a smoking gun found on the crime scene. So it, whether it was intentional or unintentional the forensic countermeasures were ultimately very effective. So yeah, I, I lean towards two people, one's in charge, sharper than the other one, probably with some kind of emergency services background and some knowledge of forensics, and then a lackey that's with them that isn't quite so sharp. I lean towards someone's head that someone who has had some kind of a violent a violent history or a psychopath, like you said, somebody who's not not bothered by shooting three people to death. I still lean away towards Becky being the intended target because of how if I'm mad at her and she's the reason I'm doing this, I kill her without any evidence of injury to her face, any injury to her head, injury to her throat. She's got potentially a gunshot wound to the center of body mass. It's a it's a it's a quick, not very personal kill to me compared to what we saw inside. So and I know that that differs greatly from your profile, but I, I guess what I'm looking for is, do you think that that's that's out of line or is it is it something that's plausible or what are your thoughts? No,
1: well, well, I said from the start uh, that, that there are two there's a point at which this case bifurcates and, you know, and it's not clear completely whether Vicky or Becky was the target. I think we both rule out John. Uh, because of the way he was kind of dispatched from a distance compared to the other two. But I am, you know, I you you make a, a, a real plausible argument. If the purpose was to come and kill the adults in the situation, you know, Vicky and John, and they were in the midst of that when Becky shows up to get her shirt because she had already left, it would probably mean that these, killers would have been waiting, you know, in the wilderness there, waited for her to leave and then went inside and did what they were going to do and got interrupted in the midst of that. And so at that point, there would have had to have been some sort of ulterior motive. If killing them was the ultimate motive, they've done an amazingly good job of hiding that very very successful at hiding what that other motive might have been because we just don't see it anywhere and then becky comes in they have to now deal with her and she could have gotten the focus of their rage because they had she had she wasn't supposed to be home she wasn't supposed to be there and now she screwed everything up let me give you another scenario what if killing mom and john was to punish her but they didn't want to kill her Mm -hmm. um they wanted her to be around maybe coming running come running back to them or to be there if they weren't together before to be there to be the shoulder that she would cry on and then she shows up in the middle of it that would that would kind of screw up that plan that would be something that would cause them to have to deal with her. She could have seen what was going on and run. And then now they have to do something. Now they have to kill her. And, you know, that becomes now their new task. And they didn't plan this part and right.
0: They get interrupted in the middle of it. And, and we see the results of it. That's an interesting thought. And it brings a couple other suspects to mind. Actually. But So so speaking of which, I'm going to run a few people by and just get get your just kind of immediate reaction. I haven't dug into them as suspects, just know some basics about a few people. So as we move through a couple of these suspects, one thing that that we didn't mention was in the notes because you'd you'd mentioned the the possibility of some law enforcement background. There was also that pen that was found on the ground right near Becky's body, Uh, and it was a Riverside County Sheriff's Association pen. It was found when there were only three cops on scene. All the cops on scene were asked if they'd lost a pen. They all said no, which most of my audience thought, well, who knows if they lose a pen. I'm assuming it's the same for you when you were in the FBI, but for me in the fire department, you know if you lost your pen because it's it's part of your uniform. You have a pen that you keep in the same place. It's the same pen all the time. You write your reports with it, everything. So you would you definitely know if you dropped a pen. So they say they didn't lose a pen. That pen's there. So that's just something to think about when I mention the fact that Vicky's ex-husband, who is the one that she owed, that owed her the 175000 that they were fighting in court. And it sounded like he was losing and was going to have to pay her that, had just retired from the Riverside County Sheriff's Department. So he was a cop. So I'll let you chew on that for a minute.
1: Well, you know, I mean, he would be mature, though, and I assume. And I would think he would be very forensically sophisticated and he retired. I mean, he was a cop for a long time. Then I would say he'd Mm -hmm. be very criminally sophisticated, too, you know, just because of what he was doing. So he doesn't fit that well. I mean, obviously, I would I would want to know where the hell he was that day. Do we have any idea?
0: No, I don't, because I I try as best I can as I'm going through to hold off until i get through this part to really investigate so i only know
1: well find out where he was if he was in the neighborhood i would put him a couple of notches up but you know so you're saying he's
0: retired but he might still be carrying around a riverside county pen well it's the union pen and you with the usually like with those unions like when you retire from the fire department you still maintain your membership in the iaff you're still a union member but if it was his pen i I would Think it would be fairly easy to get his DNA off of it, right? Well, I do know from we haven't got into forensics yet that they they pulled profiles off of it, and it was it was not it was tested against. There's a lot of this the uh, defendants that were arrested and the victims, and that was it, and never run through CODIS or tested against anyone else. So there is some forensics there, but yeah, he's we got a lot of a long way to go with him. But I saw it, it just caught my attention when when you were going through the scene and you said that seemed like somebody that possibly had some police experience and I know, and, and I'm not even, I wouldn't even say a hypothesizing this yet, but as I'm just working through like, how might that work with Becky? I would, I would almost assume that if, if he had some involvement, that it would probably be maybe some of his friends that he had carried out or I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to imagine a parent doing something like that to a child, but then like we just spent a couple weekends ago discussing in depth, another case where parents seem to have very likely done some pretty grotesque things to a child after she was dead. So it can happen. I don't think it can be eliminated based on the fact that most people wouldn't because we know that it can happen in in certain instances.
1: And the, the hypothesis that I posed that if Becky was actually the target, but not for murder, Becky was a target to suffer because Uh her mother was taken out, then I don't know that could, you know, if she came in and surprised these people, like, I guess under the scenario you're posing, it wouldn't be the actual father who carried it out. It would be somebody who was doing his bidding, but that's a pretty serious and elaborate scheme.
0: Right. Or, you know, it could be in a, in a scenario like that. I could I could see a scenario where, you know, it was the father and someone that went in and it was, we're going to go kill them, light the house on fire. She's dead. I don't have to pay the money anymore. And that's it. And then they get interrupted by her daughter. Now he's faced with a daughter. It seems like he didn't have much of a relationship with, just walked in and witnessed him murdering her mom. And then now, now it's a real deal. problem. Yeah. Right. Just a just a possibility, but but I agree with you that is usually we talk when we do a profile then next step is to look at people's alibis. I'll be very interested in in finding out what his is. Right. Then uh, another Obvious suspect is the boyfriend or the ex boyfriend who had the girlfriend who had broke up with with Becky back in January, who was supposed to go hiking with her that day. We know from him, he was he and his buddy worked at um, a water park downtown down in the valley. There was they only had two days left to work because it was their summer job, and they got fired that afternoon or they got suspended, but it covered their last two days because after the water park shut down at six, they were riding down the slides without water on them. And so they got in trouble for that. And then they talked to her, there's phone evidence, which he, you know, he told the story and the phone evidence matches that they had talked back and forth a couple times that she had called and called his buddy and that they were together. And, you know, he says they were out doing paintball and stuff down and down in the valley. And then he never went up for the hike. I don't, I don't see a motive there. But he's an obvious suspect.
1: Yeah. But again, uh, you match him as a suspect against the outcome. I mean, right. what did he have against her parents? What did he have against her?
0: You know, why now if that's him? Yeah. And there was and there was a change there. Right. Because they had just they seemed like they hadn't talked for a little while. And after she broke up with her boyfriend, just yeah, what about his new that.
1: her new girlfriend, his new girlfriend? might be another story which could be another reason why the wheelbarrow was was used Mm -hmm. as a practical thing to transport the body but i just don't see with him i mean what what's the point you know you know that's a a triple homicide because
0: your ex-girlfriend started talking to you again yeah it's tough to it's it's tough to imagine especially for me if we think that they parked the car down the road and came up to the scene with two guns to kill, to kill. It's hard to make that. That. Yeah. I'm
1: not, I'm not buying that. Uh, sorry.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, first, so the guy that he was with, uh, the, the all night, cause they're, that they, they basically, he's his alibi. Was his buddy with him. Post defense so that he ends up the ex-boyfriend ends up marrying the girlfriend, he was planning on going to the military. Ended up not doing that and went to school to do heating and air conditioning and was an HVAC tech. The other guy did go to the military, ended up becoming an Army Ranger and actually um, was a Medal of Valor winner in Afghanistan over the next next few year, ten years, you know, the that, that past. And he also married his high school girlfriend from that time shortly there, thereafter after he went into the military. Don't have a lot of post-offense behavior on the dad, other than that, because he just wasn't really investigated. He was kind of out of the picture. Any concerns or anything with the post-offense of either of those two? Uh, Nothing stands out, no. I Um, mean, if
1: if he, the next day or week, enlisted and got sent overseas, you know, if it happened something like that quick and he's just trying to get out of town, yeah, maybe, but marrying your girlfriend and then going into the military months or years after that just that's not what i'm talking about I'm talking about immediately trying to adjust to change something
0: because they're so freaked out about what they just did right when you're when you're talking about you see some immaturity are you thinking like teenagers
1: well i mean what i'm saying is it could be it could be somebody who's in their teens it could be somebody who's Early twenties, but that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Um. Somebody who isn't thinking in terms of the severity and the extreme nature of this crime. You know, this is like something like they they, they didn't really. There isn't enough of a motive to justify this kind of extreme crime, and that is somebody who is more impulsive and and immature. Uh, The planning clearly wasn't that sophisticated. And if something as simple as somebody leaving their t-shirt behind can screw up your crime, then, you know, you didn't plan very well. Nobody was looking out or confirming that she was at work
0: or whatever. Right. So the other other suspects we have are there's obviously the ex-boyfriend, which I haven't dug much into him. He was a couple years older than her, and she had broke up with him. uh, I think two days before this. What was that breakup like? I don't know. It's it's the the friends were interviewed by police, and they just you know it's one of these cases where you listen to the police interviews and you're just screaming because it. Like, why didn't you ask that question? You know, this, you know, they broke up. Yeah, I think she broke up with him. All His- right,
1: so she broke up with him, and but was this the kind of thing where they couldn't have been going out for more than what eight months? Right, right. Yeah, it wasn't.
0: It was for a couple months, I think, through the
1: summer. Okay, so yeah. it wasn't a really long term. Was this the kind of thing where he love bombed her and you know wanted to be with her all the time and was constantly all over her? What is the, like, why did she break up with him? What, what's the, what's the, so I would look into that, you know, and if he's the kind of person who would do this, I would suspect that he, that his pre-offense behavior was like that love bombing. Everything is amazing. You've changed my life. I want to be with you forever. You know, that kind of extremism in order to, you know, after a couple of months, that would mean that her breaking up with him caused him to do a triple homicide. That's pretty extreme behavior. So I don't think he would have had a criminal history in this, but either he has some serious traits and characteristics of a psychopath or something's really, really messed up in his life. You know, something is really wrong with him, you know, mentally,
0: you know, I would have to look at that and you'd expect to see some big changes in behavior. after, and I, and I haven't investigated him as a suspect yet, so I don't know if these things are happened. but I'd be looking for changes in behavior.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would think that if he's a stone-cold psychopath, they recover like that. Um, hmm. Best example would be, uh, oh man, is it Sloot? I can't remember. Natalie Holloway's killer, who on the fifth anniversary killed another girl. And just moments afterwards, just walked out with two empty coffee mugs to go get coffee saying he's going to get coffee for his girlfriend. Oh, yeah. I know the case. Comes back and finds finds her dead. Mm-hmm. Well, what he didn't realize is there's a camera right outside the door and he's the only one in and out and she's right. in there dead, you know, but he thought immediately, okay, I can establish an alibi by saying I'm going out to buy some coffee. And for mm-hmm. both of us and i'm shocked that look i have another coffee for her so mm-hmm. clearly i couldn't have killed her well that didn't work out so well for him right but anyway they recover so quickly he's calm cool collected out in public not having a problem you and i'd
0: be sweating bullets trying to figure out what the hell to do psychopaths can think through that yeah so we'll look for that with him we also have his cousin was one of Becky's like best friends, like was around her all the time, was talking to her. She'd go to his, when she'd get off her graveyard shift in the morning, she'd go to his house and spend the night or spend all the morning. So she'd get off at like five and four or five in the morning down in the valley. So instead of driving up home, she'd go to his house and crash there in the morning sometimes. Um, um, was there anything going on between them? Doesn't sound like romantically. I've heard. You know, kind of rumors that he's in his. I kind of get the impression that he's kind of a friend zoned kind of guy that, you know, really cares a lot about her, but maybe she doesn't, you know, Robert, who was the ex boyfriend from back in January, was a friend of his. She dated him. She dated his cousin. She's dating, you know, kind of dating people around him, but never him.
1: Well, that yeah. would fit into what I said, is in terms of somebody who might want to. I mean, this guy would have had to been pretty messed up but wanting to take out the mom and father figure so that she would come running to him if he's the friend that she cries on his shoulder maybe that would be the way I mean that would be very deranged thinking but it is it's a possibility I'm not I'm
0: not going to say it's a probability but that is one possibility yeah and when you say he was when i told when you said that scenario when i said someone popped in my mind that was him because i never really thought of him as much of a suspect but that scenario was like oh if that's what happened i don't know that that's what happened well where but-
1: was he at the time
0: you know i'd look into right. that you know yeah and he did he was up at the crime scene by like eight o'clock that morning he's actually you know standing outside the crime scene he was lived down in the valley but either was staying up with a friend who lived up in Pinion Pines or wait 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 he had, was staying with somebody who lived in the neighborhood i got i got i have to i have to vary i'm trying to think right now because he has a, people yeah yeah he had a, friend he had lived a, in the neighborhood in the
1: neighborhood and he could walk to his place where he was staying right yeah things to consider um, right yeah yeah <laughs> wouldn't yeah. have to drive away mm-hmm. maybe he saw her drive away I don't even want to, I'm just asking, but maybe he could see her drive away, know that she's away on her way to work. And
0: his friend did live on Pena, but I don't know if he was there. I don't remember, or if I don't know if I I even know yet, if he was there yet at the time, but I'm going to, the next thing I'm going to tell you that I wasn't going to mention, um, (laughs) the fire trucks on the way there said a small red pickup truck almost ran them off the road when they were responding to the fire, driving the opposite direction. Then like their light sirens going and the guy, air horn, the guy just kept blowing in the tight road, almost ran the truck off the road, um, driving this little red pickup truck. His buddy that lived up there drove a little red pickup truck, which we caught just through context. The listener caught in his interview. He's the the friend is on the hobby. Uh, he's his name. The ones like the friends owned or the one that's good friends with Becky. He's talking to the police up at the scene and you hear the cop ask, whose red truck is that? And he says, oh, that's Nick's, his buddy Nick, who lives up on the scene, lives up in the neighborhood, but never confirmed by police if it was actually Nick's truck or they never really pursued that angle. There's so many layers here that the, the Javier, the friend, his dad is the DA's investigator, the investigator in the homicide unit. So oh, really? a hands-off approach to looking at him. Yeah, that's a little bit of
1: a conflict of interest, don't you think?
0: Mm-hmm. You'd think so, but he was never considered a suspect. So I guess they decided it wasn't, but that's
1: not considering a suspect is a conflict of interest, (laughs) right? Yeah,
0: (laughs) exactly. Uh, So there's him, there's, uh, the, um, the ex-boyfriend, the one she just broke up with his roommate apparently didn't like Becky, like really didn't like her and went to her work and got an altercation with her a couple days before this. What was that about what do you mean yeah I, I i don't know what it's about and i have to i haven't i haven't been through again because i intentionally stayed back from that at this point his interview to hear the explanation of it i just heard that it happened through listening to some of the denny's employees interviews okay
1: all right well you have a lot of uh of, of people to look at um i'm afraid i haven't narrowed it down significantly for you because i i still think this you have to look at this with a bifurcated approach and Mm -hmm. but uh you know a couple of those people like you know so the dad kind of fits into your version of the profile and the recent ex and this friend zone guy
0: fits into mine right it's interesting about that is the two guys that were convicted of the crime... Oh, there was the a conviction. Yeah, there's a conviction. I work wrongful convictions. Of course there was a conviction. Well, I, you <laughs>
1: know, I, you just kept saying there was an arrest, so I yeah, didn't... Yeah, uh,
0: the The guys that were arrested and convicted were the two that worked at the water park. The uh, ex-boyfriend from January that had been talking to her that was planning the hike, those are the two that were ultimately arrested and convicted. Wait, so
1: not the recent broken-up no. boyfriend, but right. the older boyfriend who had a new girlfriend?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Really? Yeah, that's that's why I took the case. That, that reaction you had right there. Now, there was... Uh, uh, we'll be on... We've been going for three hours. I've not do getting any more. There's more... There was a circumstantial case they built. All them, right, well,
1: let's do that another time. <laughs>
0: all right. And with that, after after three hours and technical difficulties and everything else uh i think we're both pretty exhausted so we'll go ahead and 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 call this a call this a night but jim i really appreciate you i yeah i am
1: um i'm yeah i'm surprised uh that i mean it just seems like so the water park boys wow that's Mm. interesting
0: and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink and sound engineered by Shane Yoder. All music for the show was created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. All of our fonts across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Wood-Yomnick, Ginger Fiola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigation. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in in the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. And I can be found personally on all forms of social media at Truth. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice.